Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. If Tom Brady won six Super Bowls alone, then why can't Josh Allen win? Pittsburgh moved the ball up and down the field on him. Mason Rudolph moved the ball because Patrick Mahomes was going to play on the road. He was not going to be able to move the football. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. And we had another entertaining weekend of NFL football, my favorite weekend of the year, and three of the games lived up to the billing here. And we'll obviously start with what we saw in Western New York last night. The Kansas City Chiefs, they do it again to the Buffalo Bills, 27-24. Chiefs moving on. Bills, another frustrating end to the season in the divisional round. Yeah, you know, I mean, I feel so badly for those Bill fans. I mean, today I was, you know, we one thing we learned this weekend is the impact of these football teams on the city. You know, if you, I went to, I went to Siena, Italy, 10 years ago. What was maybe I saw Springsteen in Florence. I think it was 12, right? And so I spent like three days in Siena. And Siena is a medieval town with a wall around it. And they have these things called the Contrada. They're neighborhoods. And every neighborhood has a has a color and a symbol and and then every Fourth of July, not that it's Fourth of July for them, but Fourth of July and in August they have the they have the palio they call it the races of the neighborhoods and whoever horse wins because the pride of the of the city right and, and it's a tremendous pride we were we were I was we were driving out in the countryside and this driver was telling us the story of his father about how. You know, he'd spent his whole life. They'd never won the Contrada, you know, but finally they did. And as soon as they won it, he died. Like he was sick. And as soon as he heard his neighborhood won the Contrada, he passed away. Like there was just this incredible sense of pride. And there's this incredible sense of of history that goes into it. And even though he has nothing to do with the race or the horse they pick or any of that, it's a pride thing. It's about belonging. It's a sense of that. And I think we saw this weekend, which to me was the power of the NFL. You want to know why the ratings are up? You want to know why the NBA can't match it? You want to know why it's this, the two cities, Detroit and Buffalo, separated by Lake Erie. The, the, the euphoria of Detroit winning that game and the sadness in Buffalo, right? It's the, it's the two worlds, it's the two worlds and the passion and the city. It's part of the fabric of who you are. You're identified by, you're a, in the Bills Mafia. You're a Lions fan. We're, we're bringing Lions fans out from 90 years ago. It's great. Yeah. It's wonderful, right? I mean, it's like I've been a Lions fan my whole life. I've, I've never experienced, and the joy. I mean, I'm getting, I got one of the, a, a vice president, a president of, of, of Raymond James. I spoke to their their team once and, and he was a Lions fan. He sent me a picture. It was so, he was so in, in, enthralled with the win. I loved it. I loved it. I loved seeing the picture and his happiness. And then 
I see some kid in a t with a, no shirt on, not Jason Kelsey, but somebody else, and they're in tears <laughs> in Buffalo, right? Like, it's just, to me, it's overwhelming and the sense of grief that comes to it. You know, it's just, it, it's a powerful, powerful thing and that, that we got to witness this weekend, the sadness and euphoria. I mean, it was just really, really was. And I feel for Bill fans, I really do. I feel so badly for them. Even though I, I thought Kansas City was going to win the game, even though I thought that they were, you know, they were injured going in, and I think what we tend to do in this betting world and, and this NFL world is we fall for narratives that aren't true, right? We fall for narratives that aren't true. The Bills are playing great. The Bills are doing this. They're much better on offense here. They're really doing this when it's really not an accurate narrative. And so that builds up people's hopes and they think that something is real that's not and, and it becomes a real issue. And I think to me... This game, Femi, I don't know how you handicapped it, but it went exactly the way the 20 to 17 game went. Exactly. Buffalo dominates time of possession. Buffalo runs the ball. Buffalo can't make plays in the passing game, right? Mm -hmm. Kansas City outgains them what they have 7.7 to 4.7. Kansas City throws the ball only in five first, third downs the entire game. Crazy. And I think three of them came on the last two drives. So. They got dominated, and they're fortunate they had a chance to tie it up. You can blame Bass all you want, but you could also blame Diggs for missing a catch. You, you can blame them for not scoring touchdowns when they had chances. I mean, it's never one play, so you feel so badly. You feel so badly for them. And the fact that everybody thinks they have this elite defense when they really don't. Yeah, no, and it was a decimated defense that we saw out there for the Buffalo Bills. And correct, and and it's and it's funny that you, you mentioned like the the Tyler Bass thing because that's what gets a lot of the pub here. Wide right, and of course everyone goes back to Super Bowl twenty five with the wide right with Norwood and all that stuff. But like the game was lost prior to that. And when I was watching the game, it just felt like when I was I was texting with my brother about this, I was like, this might just be their time to beat Kansas City because it felt like all the breaks in the fourth quarter were going Buffalo's way. Like you know, you you run the you run the fake punt there. You get stopped. It's oh. like, well, that might be game over. And then McCall Hardman fumbles through it's a touchback. Well, it's like the ball. What like, were we doing giving him the ball? Pacheco, they couldn't tackle Pacheco. He was running like an angry man. Why yeah. would we have to, you know, why Let's do give we it to have Hardman. to Hardman? Yeah, just why don't we he's already like once he fumbled once, I would have never put him back on the field. Yeah. Like, to me, that's a mistake. Like, to me, like, he should never go back on the – you fumble once in the game and we got the ball back, fortunately, you should never go back on the field. Like, we, I don't trust you. Like, you know Buffalo, deep down, was worried about Cook late in the game. I, I was on the couch. I said to Millie, they're worried about him fumbling on this drive. Like, yep. it, it's, it's a worry. You're worried about it. Not You don't want to jinx it, but you're worried. I mean, when I was at the Niners and we had Wendell Tyler, we were always worried about him fumbling, especially after he hadn't fumbled for a while. Right. I think we had it broken down where he fumbled every 27 carries. Nice. Right. And there was nothing you could do about it. Like it just even he held the ball tight. But I, I, I think to me, this game was was really when you have the ball for 22 minutes and you average 7.7 a play and you're throwing it down the field. Now, look, I get it. You know, they got A.J. Klein in there. They have this. To me, the, the key to the game was that the Chiefs offensive line kicked their ass which was a weakness going into the game. I mean, Tooney got hurt, I think, in the third or fourth quarter. They never mentioned it on the broadcast. But, you know, the left guard. But, you know, like, they kicked their ass up front. Did you ever hear Ed Oliver's name? Nope. Rosario, did you ever hear his name? Von Miller made one play. I mean, you never heard any of their defensive linemen. They weren't unhealthy in the front. They got pushed around. And the fact that they did it in 22 minutes and gained this many yards is is really, really, you know, but, you know, again, I think to me there is a narrative out there that, you know, they're playing well and this is their time. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you this serious question. I think everybody who listens to this podcast needs to ask himself this question. If Tom Brady won six Super Bowls alone and that you can only look at Belichick record minus Brady, then why can't Josh Allen win? Well, because as I was taught early on in my age, football is a team sport. 
and, and you need coaching. You need other teammates around you. You need all these things, as well as needing the good quarterback as well to win the Super Bowl. So uh, as we've said on this podcast, it's not just one person that's going to go ahead and get it done, despite what people want, might want to believe out there in, in the other world. Yeah, no question, right? And so what have we always said about Buffalo, right? They are nickel defense. Uh, they're smaller, right? They got pushed around by Cincinnati last year. Okay, you can say, Klein, they missed their linebackers. I grant you, they did. Everybody misses players, right? You know, but for Kansas City to have 146 yards rushing on you and average 6.1 a carry, 6.1 a carry. I mean, and, and Andy doesn't want to run the ball. Remember, Eric Bieniemy, Andy would be proud of me. I caught all these passes, right? They only called 23 passes in the game. Of course, they only had the ball for 22. But it was Pacheco was the difference. I mean, it was their offensive line and their control of the front. They run the ball in from the five-yard line. I mean, think about it, right? Think yeah. about it. They did. And so Buffalo, to me, if, if you say, okay, why aren't we winning? Well, okay, we, we pushed around the Chiefs front. We were able to run the football. We thought that that needed to happen. But they couldn't make a play in the passing game. I mean, they averaged 4.8 yards per pass. And that's the big thing I right mean, there. It's the only thing, right? It, it just proves to you, as much as I think you have to have balance to win football games, you've got to be able to run and throw. If you can't make explosive plays, Josh Allen's longest pass play was 15 yards. You can have as many yards as you want. You can keep the ball as much as you want. But if you can't make an explosive play, they had a longer run than they did a pass play in the game. Think about that, Femi. Crazy. And so when you can't, I mean, he threw 39 times for 186 yards. Yeah. Now, you know, Diggs had, Diggs had three catches for 21 yards. But in the first game, he, had, he averaged 6.4 yards a catch. It wasn't like he had a bad day today. Like, they took him out the last time. Like, their passing game was never really, you know, I mean, look, they beat Dallas with the run game, right? They beat Dallas. And when you go back over the second half of the season, they beat a good Dallas team with their run game. They ran the ball against Dallas for 266 yards, right? You know, they threw for 345. They, they threw for 345 against Miami in the, in the last game of the year. They made explosive plays down the field. And, you know, they won that game. But against Pittsburgh, they threw for 189. They had a run for 179. And Pittsburgh moved the ball up and down the field on them. That's what I didn't understand, why everybody was falling. In. Like Mason Rudolph moved the ball. Why? Because Patrick Mahomes was going to play on the road, he was not going to be able to move the football? It was his first road game out there in Western New York. But we, I mean, you're preaching to the choir with this. Like we talked about this and it was part of my handicap about Dolphins Bills was, hey, this Bills passing attack seems broken. They haven't really played well since they played Philadelphia. And we obviously know the context of that with the way the Eagles defense looked. Like, like they, they, the thing that Buffalo did well was that they went to the ground game. And that's, but like when you get into these spots in the postseason, like you said, you need those explosive plays if you're going to advance, especially against a quarterback like Mahomes. You're not going to nickel and dime your way to the AFC title game. That's just not going to be the reality of the situation. But with all that said, though, like, like this felt like it was their time. Josh Allen fumbles the football. If Kansas City, if the defender just falls on it, it's game over. He tries to pick it up for right. a scoop and score, and they still had all these chances to go win the game. And then we have to talk about the sequence. I know we're coming up against a break, but the sequence, the final set of downs for Buffalo, when Allen, unfortunately, the left tackle, Dawkins, gets pushed into him. He can't hit Shakir, even though he had Diggs wide open on the crosser there, and they have to settle for the field goal. Like, that's like when they put the field goal unit out there, in my opinion, whether he made it I, I or missed nervous. it, it was game over like, it, I was, like, it was I game was nervous over. I said to Miller I was nervous I like I, that to me wasn't with that win I don't see how never. you could think that was a gimme no no and, and it never had a chance and, and maybe he didn't play the win the correct way but that thing went way to the right there and we'll talk about about that sequence on the other side we're just getting warmed up we'll break down all the divisional action here on the GM show
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know, Michael, whether Tyler Bass made the field goal or not, I still think Kansas City was going to win the football game because there was still a lot of time left for Mahomes to go down the field. They still had a couple timeouts, Kansas City did. So people can talk about wide right, but the minute they put him out there, I said, game over. Like, Buffalo needed to score a touchdown on that possession and leave little time in order to feel comfortable about winning. Once you go to kick the field goal, it's over regardless of result of the field goal. Well, I, I I don't disagree with you. I think you know. To me, with that wind, you you it was fifty. You know, you knew you had you felt good about him. I know McDermott felt good about him, but you wish he would have. You know, look, he got Dawkins got pushed back, and the guy's open for a touchdown. Yeah. He hits it. It still would have been too much time the way the Bills are playing defense. Yep. And you know, so that would have been a concern. But when you score with three minutes left in the third quarter, and then never score again in the fourth quarter against Patrick Mahomes, and he opened the door for you too. I mean, Patrick Mahomes opens the door for you, right? So, you know, he only – they get – after they score with 14-20 to go in the, in, the, in the fourth, they only get two more first downs. I mean, they're basically – this is when they actually couldn't convert third downs. They actually got into third downs on those two drives, right? And, you know, they gave you a chance to get back in and you couldn't really do it. I, I mean – you know, I think anybody who thinks that, that Kansas City was lucky to win the game, I don't think you're watching the same game I'm watching. I think Kansas City was in complete control. I think Kansas City had a, a very good game plan. And you've got to give Andy Reid credit for adjusting his team to the situation of where they were. They, they went from the old chief offense into this West Coast, back to their West Coast. Mahomes changed. He started all of a sudden he's reading it. They're committed to Pacheco, who's one of their best players. He's running like a madman, right? He looks like Tyreek Hill sometimes when he's got the ball in his hands running. He <laughs> breaks tackles. I, I think actually this is a close game because I thought the Chiefs had one of their worst days tackling of all year. It did. The cold bothered the Chiefs in their tackling. And if they tackle like that against Baltimore, it'll be a long day. Yeah. Their tackling was atrocious. The, they went from a two-yard gain to a nine-yard gain. And so, you know, but what, what I think Steve Spagnola decided was we're just not going to give you a chunk play. And Joe Brady didn't have one on his sheet. Like they, could, they couldn't make a chunk play in the passing game. And if you can't do that, how do you win games? How do you win games? And so where do we spin this thing forward for the Bills? I mean, they're, they're heartbroken. I feel so badly for their fan base. It's like they feel like they're jinxed wide right. Well, you're never jinxed, right? You just... What is your team? How do we fix the team? We have a great quarterback. Do we have a great team? Their two safeties are older players, right? I mean, I, I don't know where they go. I, I don't know where they go. Their 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 skills, their skill level players. Uh, they have two really good tight ends. I, I mean, Diggs hasn't been the same guy he once was. Where do they go? Yeah, well, for Buffalo, where they go is right now they're over $49 million over the salary cap next year. So the, the chances of them being able to improve this roster outside of the draft slim to none there. And I'm curious, yeah. like, like, oh, please jump no, in. No, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm, I'm just I'm just curious what they're going to do in terms of coaching, free agencies. Like, could McDermott maybe, is he all the way safe here? Do they bring him back? And, like, how do they I, improve with that? 
I can't imagine that they don't bring him back. I mean, the guy's had double-digit wins every year. He gets them to the playoffs. But, you know, but is the team built to win, right? I think, to me, that's the real core issue, right? He's built a nickel team and that can rush the passer and play from in front. That's what he has. And when he gets in these cold weather games in January and February, does he have enough physicality? I mean, they're two linebackers. Even if Milano and Bernard are – they're, they're like safeties in there, right? They're like safeties in there. They get pushed. And if they're not playing from in front, they're not the same guys. Now, you can say we got a great defense. Okay, well, I, I said to you before the break, you know, you talk to people around the league, they think they're a, a, a very average team with a great quarterback in terms of talent-wise. And I think that's kind of true. You know, I think they, you know, they committed to running the football. I think Aaron Cromer, their new line coach this year, did a good job of getting that line more physical, more tougher. You know, they could actually, they pushed Kansas City around and they committed to it. But then they didn't have a passing game to match it. So I, I don't know where they go. I mean, I think to me, McDermott's got to sit there and say, okay, I, I have this style. I need to get bigger. I need to get more physical on defense. I did it on offense, you know, and I hired Cromer to be the line coach. He got us. We run Cook. You know, we still have Allen leading rush runners. We, where are we going? What are we doing offensively? I'm not sure they really have found the right offense for Josh Allen other than just go make a play, Josh. Well, what do you think would be the right offense for him? Oh, I think to me, you know, it's funny. I listened to uh, – Roger Martin, we had him on the Daily Coach community, which is a community we started at the Daily Coach. We, we've invited 50 people uh, into kind of like it's it's similar to the young presidents. It's like if you're in a, a business world and you want to expand your leadership and all those things. And we we meet. We had this the Roger Martin, the great uh, strategist of of wrote the book, The Imposable Mind, Playing to Win, all that. And he was talking about disruption, right? He was talking about what you have to do to be a company that excels, right? You have to find disruption. And so for me, the NFL, if you keep doing what everybody else does, shotgun, offset back, spread, then you always are going to be in the middle of the pack. It's the disruptors that change what you do. It's somebody who comes up with the creative, whether it's Kyle's offense you know, whether it's, you know, it, it's go back to old school. We talk about, you know, resting players and all that. Baltimore's an old school team. They practice. They work fundamentals. San Francisco's an old school team. They practice work fundamentals, right? Kansas City looked like they practiced and work fundamentals based on the way their lines improved. So I think to me, the offense for Josh Allen would be the disruptor offense. Put him under center. You know, utilize some of the things that, that bring his skill set to the forefront. I mean, not saying you don't want to be in shotgun, but when he's under center, like when Lamar's under center, all of a sudden you got to account for him on boots and nakeds and all those things. And you've got to change. You've got to be ahead of the curve. You, you can't constantly always be behind the curve. And it's like when Belichick, when they all went to Hawaii after they lost a conference championship game and they sat in there and they were all pissed off. They, they had a... Um, they're coaching the Pro Bowl. They're over in Hawaii, and they got 5.30 a.m. meetings every day. You think that was fun for that coaching staff? Right? They were bitching like crazy. But Trying that's when they Honolulu. decided <laughs> – Right. That's when they decided, okay, we're going to go with Welker because nobody has slot corners that can cover. We've got to get an outside receiver. We trade for Moss. I mean, that's what they did. And I think that's not enough happening in the league. There's not enough disruption. There's too much of – yeah, there's too much of let's just do what everybody else is doing and play it safe. And when you play it safe, you, you're not really going to be able to, to disrupt the environment that you're in. And so the, the companies that do that, you know, Apple, they were disruptive. You know, they took away the market share from BlackBerry. Why? Because he decided that he, you could make your phone specific, right? It was your phone. You put your, you put your, your apps in the right spot, but they're your apps. So mm -hmm. he personalized the iPhone. That was disrupting, you know, that was disrupting. And so I think to me, that's how I approach it. Like, I, I don't want to hire a scheme. I want to hire a, a designer, somebody with the imagination to create the right thing around them. 
and not just, okay, I'm hiring Shane Waldron to run the be- to run this scheme. Like we got to be, how are we going to take advantage of when the world, when the league is, is zigging, we need to zag. Yeah. hundred percent. You got to go against the grain. If you're going to go ahead and try to stand out from the pack there, I think that's a really good, not just for football, but in life um, for anybody trying to look forward to being uh, excelling in what they do here, Kansas city impressive for them. I mean, since they've, had Mahomes starting in 2018. They've gone to six straight AFC title games. Like that speaks for itself. Their success. Yeah. Buffalo going forward. Some of their key free agents here, Michael. Gabe Davis, their wide receiver who missed the last three games dealing with his injury. Micah Hyde, you mentioned them being old at safety. Hyde is also a free agent. And then, I mean, Dane Jackson, Terrell Dotson. But on the defensive line where they got to get bigger, Daquan Jones, who we like a lot, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips, Puna Ford, Linval Joseph, all of those guys free agents. So yeah. uh, it's, it's not going to be like the bills that we've come to kind of know and love and the, what we've seen over the last three years it's probably going to be a little bit different going forward here next year so if i were the owner of the bills i would get bean and 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 mcdermott and i would say i want you to spend you two spend the next 10 days studying this and then i want you to bring to me the plan on what it takes to get to the next level and don't give me the usual rhetoric like for example procter and gamble I don't know if people realize this, but Tide has been the number one, the number one seller of, of laundry detergent for like 70 consecutive years. Okay. And if you work for Tide, if you work for the Procter and Gamble division, every six months, you have to bring to the head of the department three or four different creative ways to make the product better. And if you don't, you get sent back. And if you don't have that, you're not going to stay in the company very long. And so to me, what, what, what these two have to do is come up with not the standard way of how are we going to get this, is what is the creative way we can build this thing and forget about what, you know, we can make the cap look like anything, is how do we do this? How do we get this team to where it's a championship level team that can play in any weather, can beat any team on any given day? And I think that's, that's to me what McDermott's challenge is. And I think him calling the defense is great, but I think he loses the big picture. I think he doesn't manage the whole thing, you know? And, and so I, I think that's the real issue. And so if I'm a Buffalo Bill fan, that's kind of what I want Pagula to be able to say is like, whatever, how do, we, how do we get over this? It's not, we're not fortunate. It's not because we grow up in Buffalo and we're unlucky. That has nothing to do with it. How did the Buffalo Bills get the four Super Bowls? How did they get there? Well, they got there because Marv Levy came up with a K-gun. Yep. Think about it. He came up with a K-gun. And, and, and even though they couldn't get over the hump in Super Bowls, that K-gun revolutionized football. We got to revolutionize this with Josh Allen because the window, it's never going to close with Allen, but it's getting harder with Allen. Yeah. And his salary cap hits going to start to spike even more. I believe he's going to be in that $40 million range coming up next year. So creativity is needed. But oftentimes, though, Creativity, like what is it? Like, like necessity is what breeds creativity, that desperation. So yeah. the Bills right now feel like that desperate team. Maybe this is what was needed to ultimately get over well, the hump. I, I think Aristotle has something to say about that. I'll talk to you about that on this other side. All right. Well, we'll discuss that. And we'll discuss the Detroit Lions going to the NFC title game for the first time since 1991 after they knocked off the Buccaneers yesterday at Ford Field. We'll get into all of that and more coming up here on the GM Show. That's where we're heading to break, Michael. You mentioned you wanted to mention something about Aristotle, the great Greek philosopher. What did you want well, to uh, bring in? Do you realize the great Greek philosopher? I know this will shock people, but the great Greek philosopher was the forefront of analytics. You know, he's, you know, whether he wrote it on some, some stone tablet, but he was truly believed in analytics. And there is a, there is a, a strong, strong movement from a lot of, people that spend time in the analytical community that cite cite Aristotle. And so what my point about bringing up Aristotle is not to have some long lecture and get Elliot all upset because we're not talking about the other games is, <laughs> is to focus on when you're Sean McDermott and you are Brandon Bean, you know, you, you have to be willing to not look at the analytics to move forward because 
what Aristotle taught us is for the for analytics is only applicable for part of the where where, where part of the world where things cannot be other than they are. Okay, so what he meant by that was if I drop this pen on the ground, okay, I do it today, it's going to drop. If I let it go, it's going to fall down. If I did it 100 years ago, it was going to fall down. If I do it 200 years from now, it's going to fall down. It's called gravity. That's always going to be the same. So studying data when things are always the same is important. For parts of the world where things can be other than they are, which is the future, which is we're not sure, you've got to rely on your imagination. And you can't use past data. We talked about this when we sit there and look at trends. Lamar Jackson is, when the line is three or more, he is this record. Well, that's because he had Greg Roman. That's part of the world where things are other than they are now. Follow me? Yep. Like those stats are meaningless because he had a different coach. Now he's got a new coach. You can't really use those. And so for McDermott and for McDermott and Bean, they've got to be able to use what is their imagination to get this team to the next level. And they can't rely on, well, championship teams do this. Well, no, because that's for things that that's never going to stay where they are. And the great innovations that have happened in the NFL have been through imagination, not through copying what other people do. So that's what I think has to happen. And, and if an organization is built that way, they can grow. But if they're built to say, we're going to stay the same, we're just going to keep getting better at what we do. Good luck. It's it's the old saying like you got to try to win the next year's Super Bowl, not Super Bowl fifty one or fifty two. Right, it's like that's you gotta, exactly right. You got to win what's coming forward here instead of winning what happened in the past. There and yeah, it's going to be a challenging off season for the Buffalo Bills. Doesn't seem like we're going to get any sort of big changes, whether it's general manager, head coach, or quarterback. Of course, at quarterback, he's going to stay, but. Uh, well, I'm excited to see what they do because they keep hitting their head on that ceiling, that ceiling being the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, let's get to what happened in Ford Field yesterday. What a scene that was. Detroit Lions scene. going to the NFC title game first time since 1991. They beat the Buccaneers 31-23. It got a little hairy there at, at times in that second half. I thought Tampa might steal this game. You look at the box score, Tampa outgained them yards per play. They were almost at seven yards per play, but... As often so, you look at the turnover differential, Tampa two turnovers, Detroit zero, Lions moving on. I mean, I did not, I did not like Tampa in the game because I, I knew I didn't think that they could run the ball in Detroit. That was wrong. I was wrong about that analysis. Same. But I, what I was right about, I don't want the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands 40 times. But he, the interesting thing about the Lions, and there's no scene better than Detroit. Look, it's tremendous. And their mental toughness and physical toughness because – it, it really doesn't go good for them. I mean, they take the ball to start the game, and they go three and out. In 30 and seconds. And most teams would have just been like, oh, fuck. No. I mean, give Campbell – the personality of their team is Campbell's personality, and I credit that. I, I didn't think it could work because of the rah-rah stuff and all that high energy, but it does. It's working. And give him credit. He's changed the culture. I was wrong. He's right. He's his own man. He's authentic. I love it. It's great. I'm not sure it's going to be able to sustain over time. Intellectually is where I get a concern. But but in, but I think it's it's worked. I was wrong. To me, when you know they bounce back, they get the interception. They pressure they pressure him. But this is two weeks in a row now. We've sat here and said, are we sure the best team won? Are we sure the best team won? And you know, the defense gives up a ton of yards. Give Aaron Glenn credit. They hang in there. He had some really good timely blitzes called, which saved him. I mean, it saved him because there's some times where when they punted, it was because of the negative plays, right? When they punted, it was really because of all the negative plays that they had. You know, they had, they had four, they had, what, five tackles for loss, four tackles for loss. They had four sacks. There's eight negative plays. Eight negative plays. That saved them. And, the, and those sacks were coming when the Bucks. it was always like around when the Bucks would get the ball on the 40-yard line, getting towards field goal range, and it was just like, boom, right place, right time, sack. Now you have to punt the football away. You can't even get like a, a couple yards to get into field goal range and get some points on the board. There were definitely timely plays. And I, 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 my takeaway is the same as yours to where like you look at the box score and you don't want to just read box scores and all that stuff. But even watching the game, 
it never felt like Detroit was in control of the game. And if, and it felt like Tampa had, had it like, like, like at the end of the first half, when Tampa goes down the field, 92 yards and scores a touchdown, I'm like, Oh, like Detroit might be in trouble here. And then the way the second half starts, I thought the bucks were going to win this game, honestly. So you got to credit the lions for the mental toughness and physical toughness. Like you mentioned there, because they were never in control, but somehow found a way to advance. Yeah, no, they they didn't. I, I agree with you. I never thought they were in control. I don't think even when the whistle blew, you know, I mean, Baker starts the two minute drive. He takes a check down, you know, to the flat over yeah. to, to Mike Evans. I mean, that's the word, you know, you can't throw that ball. You can't. And then, of course, what happens? He gets rushed inside. He can't see and he throws an interception. I mean, look, I, 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 they got way further than I thought they could. They really did. I think defense, you got to give Ben Johnson credit. I thought he had a really yeah. good plan. He had some really good play calls at the end of the game, you know, kind of creative ways to to get some first downs. And, you know, I think they do a great job. The offensive line hung in there against the pressure and all that. But, you know, you just don't feel like because the reason when you never feel like Detroit's can control the game is because you know you can throw the football. Yeah. Like, you know, if you block them, you can throw it. And what was alarming in this game was Tampa ran the ball on them. I mean, Tampa ran the football on them. And so this is two weeks in a row where, you know, I mean, Tampa ran the ball better than the Rams did. Now, if you're Aaron Glenn, you're sitting there saying, okay, I've just played, I played Canales. You know, he comes from kind of that school. I just played McVay. You know, they moved the ball on me. You know, they averaged 5.9 yards a carry, the Bucs did. They only ran it 15 times. They let Baker throw it 41. Well, <laughs> I just think to me, if you're going to beat this team where they won the game is the Bucks were four for 12 on third down, where where if you're going to beat Detroit, you got to out tough them. You, you got to keep your foot on the gas and you got to out tough them because they have really when the game's on the line, they make they find ways to make plays. Well, they're going to they're going to face a tough team on Sunday in the 49ers. We'll talk more about that game on our Thursday pod there. And they're going to face the master of the school that they've been going up against over the last couple of weeks here in Kyle Shanahan. I can't wait to break that one down. Uh, the NFC title game coming up on Sunday. But credit to the Detroit Lions. Credit Jared Goff, who joins the elite list of quarterbacks to take two different franchises to the championship game. The other four quarterbacks, uh, it's Tom Brady. Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, and Kurt Warner. Uh, all four of those guys in the – well, Brady's not in the Hall of Fame yet, but he'll eventually get there when he uh, gets eligible. Shocker. Yeah. You think he will? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'll go out on the limb and say he'll get in. Uh, but Jared Goff now joins that list there. And it's this is a guy who was sent off. And, like, when he got traded to Detroit, everyone thought, oh, that's the end of his career. It's over. And they said it in 2021, Goff said after the game, he said, hey, like everybody was doubting us and we got off to a bad start. But with this team, this locker room never stopped believing. We believed in Dan Campbell. He went as far, Michael, as saying Dan Campbell is the best leader I've ever been around in my life. And it's, uh, it shows when you see the way this team plays. I think the one thing we, you know, we got final four teams, right? And let's go back to Aristotle. You, you can only analyze what things don't change. And what doesn't change is leadership, right? Mm -hmm. Holding people accountable. I think that's what Dan Dan Campbell does. I think Andy Reid holds you accountable. John Harbaugh definitely holds you accountable. Kyle Shanahan holds you accountable. Accountability, discipline, you know, work ethic. Those are things that championship teams are made of. Like that's never going to go out of style. And I think, you know, Seattle's looking for a head coach and Pete's been wonderful and how Pete does it. But I think what they're looking for is a little bit more accountability up there, not because Pete didn't hold people accountable, but I think it's just changing the message, right? It's changing the messaging. And I think Campbell has, has done that. And, it, and that hardens the team. I think that when, it, when the chips are hard, you've got to be able to handle that. You've got to be able to handle that. And look, let's face it, you know, Detroit's done a good job of adjusting their plan during the game. I thought, you know, Kansas City's done a great job in season adjusting their plan. Uh, Baltimore adjusted their plan in the first game against, in, that first, in the game against Houston. We haven't talked about it yet, you know, but that game really came down to, we don't think Houston's going to blitz us. We have our plan. Uh-oh, they're blitzing us. Oh, yeah. shit, here we go. Let's go back <clears> to this. And we kicked their ass. Yeah, it almost felt like Baltimore was caught off guard a little bit there. Then once they adjusted, it was game over. Never stood a chance there for the Houston Texans. So Detroit's moving on. They're going to go to San Francisco to where there was a lot of Saturday night, Michael, where I felt that, uh-oh, we might see the big upset oh. here this postseason. And we probably should have seen the upset. Green Bay, in my opinion, just outplayed the 49ers. They were the better team. But 
they, they made enough mistakes and didn't capitalize in that second half when they had chances to go up double digits. Niners survive. They win it 24-21 here, and they move on to the NFC title game. Yeah, I think a lot of this is – I think a little bit gets lost here. I do think – that then you got to give the Niners credit. I think they made the adjustments that they needed to make, right? And they did a really good job of of fixing some of the problems that were going on in the game, right? And, and I think the last four drives, I have it here. The last four drives, Jordan Love on the la- on his first six possessions, he's fifteen for twenty two for a buck sixty six, two touchdowns, no picks. The last four, he's six for 12, 30 yards, two interceptions, right? So they did a really good job. This was a game where, and I think that it shows the problems that San Francisco could potentially have, is when you can run the ball on them, that's a problem. When they don't play in front, their defensive line had no sacks. They had four tackles for loss, and they hit the quarterback six times, right? They hit the quarterback six times. Bosa had five of them. So that offensive line protected. It's just they they weren't able to kind of make the plays when the game became when the adjustments happened and and that was the real issue we'll hit big daddy's text after this it was hilarious i mean his head i'm going to read you when we come back from break his analysis of what happened at the end of the game oh you no know, it's 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 completely it's completely it, it, it's so good big daddy i guess in his eyes probably proven right after what we yeah. saw saturday night with the niners winning the game we'll break down that game of course the ravens moving on as well to wrap up the pod Michael, if people want to know, what was Big Daddy texting you Saturday night after the Packers were eliminated? Oh, man. Oh, this is the best. So we got a recap from Big Daddy. Mm. You know, uh, San Francisco's game-winning drive. This happened on Sunday morning after he had time to analyze it. I'm oh. sure he didn't go through any of the tape. He hasn't watched San the All-22. San Francisco's game-winning drive was the Barry defense we've come to know and love. Anders Carlson's missed four goals and everybody else, but was never replaced. Thank you very much. And Love shit the bed in the fourth quarter. He could have run for 20 instead of thrown across the field into triple coverage. Typical. Typical. <laughs> Typical. How is that? Like, how could a man be that? Like, I said, I said to, to Rick, was over the house watching the game with me and his wife, Colleen and Millie. I said, he, he, he really majors in, he majors in blame. That's his, that's his major sport. Who can I blame? Who can I blame for what happened? Forget the fact that the youngest team in the league going against one of the better teams on the road with bad weather, all these situations, none of them matter. He's got to, you know, God forbid if he gives Goot any credit for some of these young players, players he has. So uh, anyway, you know, I mean, he could have, you know, I could have run for 40. Yesterday I was texting him when, when Valdez scaling was making catches. There's your guy. You yep. knew it all along. I got no reply from him on that. You know, I got no reply from that. You know, you knew it all along. He's a great player. Anyway, <laughs> look, I, 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 I got to say this to you. If they don't get better production out of the uh, out of their defensive front, against the Lions, and the Lions can protect. I know Jackson, the left guard, got hurt. I don't know if he'll be able to play. It's going to be an issue, you know, because they can throw the football. And Goff does know. I mean, he's had experience going into Levi Stadium. He's played there before. They know Goff, and Goff knows them. They know they got to heat Goff up. They know they got to make him play faster. They know if you let him look at the runners at first and third, he's going to get the ball to plate. So I think it's going to – we'll handicap it more, but – the Niners got away with one. I mean, let's they face it. They 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 kind of, but like all great champions, and I think this is going to benefit them. Yep. They, they were, they, the late rounds, they got the knockout. They made the plays that they had to make. They made the plays that they had to make. And I thought for sure, I was on the over in the game. Oh, I thought for sure God. the Packers were going to too. I mean, Carlson misses the field goal, would have created the over. You know, Moody's missed field goal would have. I mean, there were chances. I thought... It was a game that was going to go over, and it should have, but it didn't. But to me, you know, it didn't surprise me that Green Bay, you know, Green Bay is a good team that can pass protect, and you got to give LaFleur credit. He called a good game, and they better keep – they better figure out who the next back is because Dylan not being in the mix 
was probably allowed them to use more of their athleticism. Yeah, no, I thought they were they were more explosive and just more dynamic from their skill guys. When it was just Aaron Jones, he was the focus there. But yeah, that the over that was cursed in the first half. That that was a first half curse. Like like like, like first half, I thought we were cooked. Then the third quarter happens, like oh, we might have life, and then the game kind of slows down in the fourth quarter. Packers not able to really do much there. But credit the Niners, and it, it was a sloppy game. It was like Purdy was clearly struggling with the wet football, which maybe that's something that we got to keep in mind going forward whenever it rains again. Now the the forecast for Sunday seems. Like it's going to be clear, but it's still six days out, so you never know. But uh, it just, yeah, like he he struggled with the wet ball. But the final drive, though, they made enough plays to go ahead and, and take the lead, and the defense closed it out there with Dre Greenlaw. I mean, the Tasmanian devil himself, after both interceptions, running all over the field, doing God knows what, but eventually went down as the Niners advanced to the NFC title game. Real quick here, Ravens, they beat the Houston Texans in the game, uh, probably not as close as the score even indicated, with even, even a 24-point game. Baltimore wins 34-10, to shut them out in the second half in Houston offensively never scoring a touchdown the only touchdown coming from the punt return yeah I mean he, I mean Mike McDonald had you know he was at Michigan so he knew Stroud I I, I think look you know they're a young team they're going to get better they for some reason they have this notion they got to start drives with a good run and go from there yeah. look they weren't going to beat Baltimore running the football right they weren't going to do that they needed to they needed to throw it and once McDonald said, you're not getting any explosive plays on us, you're going to have to put 12, 14 drive plays together to score like he did the first game, and they kicked three field goals in that game. You know, it's just – it was hard. I mean, they run out, They don't have enough weapons in their, in their offense. You know, once you take away Nico – and I, this has nothing to do with the, with, the, with the Texans. I think the Texans have really got a – they'll have a great draft. They keep adding players. Stroud's great. It's just to me, this was a, a ma- this is something that I think Bobby Slovic can learn from yeah. and try to really understand where he needs to go as a play caller when he's in these situations against people that you play, have to play high level chess against. Yeah, and they they didn't have the horses to match up with Baltimore and the Ravens. Like you, you see how well rounded that Ravens team is, and that's that's what a team does. Like like when the offense is struggling a little bit in the first half, the defense is there to pick them up, and then when they have them working together in concert in the second half, they take care of business and they and they get one of those dominating victories. I mean, they went when they changed the game plan. I mean, this is what we talk about. First quarter is about assessment. Second and third quarter is about adjustment. Fourth quarter is a standalone game. Well, they adjusted. You know, it took them a long time to adjust in the second quarter. But once they got in at halftime and they said, look, we're going to go back to the, to the spread. We're going to run rhythm passes, quick throws. And then D'Amico didn't have an answer for that. You know, D'Amico was was one of the lowest blitzers in the league all year. And then he blitzed at the highest rate that anybody's ever blitzed against on Lamar, and once they realized what he was doing, they changed their game plan. And then he didn't he didn't want to he didn't, he couldn't go back to his. He didn't have another he didn't have another plan because you know he went you know the second quarter was eleven play drive touchdown. Then they went three three and three. They went three and out three and out three and out punt. And then the second half it went touchdown touchdown field goal. Four, it went it went scores. They never punted. So it, that's the adjustment. And give Munkin, give Harbaugh, give them credit. You know, McDonald had this pretty well figured out the whole time. Oh, yeah. I mean, he wasn't going to – he was not going to let them throw the ball. It was never going to be a one-play drive score like Cleveland gave them. Yeah. No, it's 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 a game of uh, punch counter punch, and uh, Houston. Unfortunately, they didn't have their counter because I mean personnel issues and all that stuff, and they just didn't really have it against that Baltimore team. So the Ravens advance, setting up Chiefs at the Ravens AFC title game. We'll get into all of that on Thursday, but let's hand out some hardware, Michael. The best game plan: the Fred Palermo going to KC. Yeah, I mean, I think they did a tremendous job of, and I don't think it's just this plan. Like I liked Kansas City because I really liked. The fact that that Andy Reid was going against McDermott, it's hard to beat Andy Reid twice, right? And McDermott was under man. There's no question. I'm not trying to make excuses. But Andy Reid's game plan was really good offensively. To have the ball 22, 22 minutes and score, and then defensively to not give up hope, to keep the ball in front of them, let them tackle. So I, I thought they did a great job. But this is – I think what Andy Reid did is more what the Eagles needed to do was figure out what's wrong with his team, and he solved it. Like they are now, they're never going to be an explosive offense. They're never going to be what they were with Hill or even last year, but they're methodical Mm -hmm. and their execution is much better. And he got this offensive line to play better. 
See, he fixed the problems along the way. That's what you have to do. And I think he deserves a ton of credit for that. I thought that was really good. Yeah, dare I say it, that Isaiah Pacheco might be the identity of that Chiefs offense. Uh, on the I lamb. Think so. Yeah. Who's going on the lamb? Well, I mean, look, but I think there's the really when you put boil this down, hold on here. I one second here, Femi. I gotta get my notes out here for this one here. I think we have the the uh, broken passing game. For the, for well, the, the Bills, Bills passing game is yeah. what we have in there. Yeah, I put that down there as the Bill. I mean, they're going to have to figure out a way to fix this passing game. How are we going to make explosive plays? And I haven't watched the All-22. I'll do that. Hopefully, it'll be up today. But how are we going to make explosive plays against that? You know, and, you know, the fraud of the week to me is the Bills defense. Can they play in playoff football and be undersized and not get pushed around? I mean, you know, to, 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 to play only 22 minutes – give up 27 points, and give up 6.1 yards per run to a team that doesn't want to run the ball, I think you have to look at yourself and say, maybe we need to adjust a little bit here. Maybe we need to stop trying to beat this team. Maybe we need to build a championship team this way. Yeah, and it's, it's, it was a story last year when the uh, Cincinnati Bengals were able to push them around as well. If you don't know now, you know it's kind of what we've been talking about, about, hey, adjustments matter come January. Yeah, I mean, it, it's truly the case. You, you've got to be able to, to, to find a way to make the right adjustments in there. You know, and, and the, it's always a game of adjustments. Now, Kyle Shanahan might not have Debo, so he can go into the game without having to adjust. But what he said after the game is true. He said, look, you know, we learned from the Cleveland game when we lost Debo. We had to figure out a way to do it. We didn't do it well against Cleveland. We did it a little better in this game. That's going to be the key. How you adjust the game is critical. Debo Samuel, they're saying 50-50 to play on Sunday. Then it is what it is. Uh, you know, the Lions lose the game book. You can look at all the stats you want to look at, and the Lions look like they didn't win the game, but they won. Yeah. Mental toughness matters in these games. Making plays at the right time matter. You know, interception at the end of the game, that matters. Getting first downs at the end of the game. You know, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Look, for, for a team that doesn't have movement from their quarterback, they're good in the red zone. They're really good. They're creative. They find ways to do it. They don't settle for – I mean, if they settle for a field goal on that last drive and didn't go up 14, all of a sudden it's a different game. 100% there. And also a weird ending to that game as well. Detroit snapping the ball with about 15 seconds yeah. left on the play clock. Bowles not calling the timeout, said that there's no point de delaying the inevitable. Like that's, I don't know, man. It's the playoffs. Like Maybe you blocked the field goal. I don't know, but hey, whatever. Uh, real quick, though, before we get out of here, Antonio Pierce named the permanent head coach for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, your thoughts on that as he'll now be the new man for the silver and black. Well, I think it's going to be interesting. Well, I mean, look, they kind of had to do that. I mean, the players would have revolted. Mark Davis went down this road. Had to. It's going to be interesting what they do offensively. You know, he's going to, some people think he's bringing Marvin Lewis in, you know, some people think he's going to bring, well, I know he's going to bring Marvin in. I don't know if he's going to be on offense or on defense. Some interesting names that he's been kicking around for the offensive coach. Uh, I was told, I won't say one of the names, which would really make people very disappointed if they heard it. But then I was told that's not going to happen. They're trying to hire, okay. a, 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 they're trying to hire the general manager now. I think, uh, you know, Ed Dodds is a candidate, Champ Kelly. I think they would like to pair Kelly and Dodds together. I don't see that happening, though. You don't want to give the aggregators something, a little something to nibble on there? <laughs> no, but I think there's a sleeper at the Charger job. I do. I think there's a sleeper. Ooh. I'm not going to say who it is, but I, because I, I can't prove it. But okay. I heard there's a sleeper at the Charger job. We'll see if it's true. Okay, because right now the betting favorite at our show sponsor DraftKings is Jim Harbaugh. I believe he's in that minus two fifty range. And he might, and he might be the guy. But I think they're talking to somebody else who's got a track record that uh, that nobody has talked about. Mm, that nobody has talked about. All right, I'll ask you after we, uh, we, we we press pause on the recording here. But that does it for this edition of the GM Shuffle. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Championship Sunday is this upcoming Sunday. We'll break down all the games on Thursday's episode. Be well until then, and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>